Hi everyone, welcome to Hot Seat with Cognizant Clay. I'm your host, Clayton Terrio. Today on the show, we have Samantha Tokita. Samantha was born with fibular hemimelia in her right leg. As a result, her right leg had to be amputated just below the knee. She is a Muay Thai practitioner as well as a photographer. I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, finally, that was a bit of a debacle. I hate computers so much, honestly. I, I love them, but I also hate them. It's it's a very in-between thing. They're so necessary, but yeah, they fail us constantly. So, love yes. your relationship, I feel that. Yeah, well, nice to meet you, Sam. This is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for um, inviting me to chat with you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I love your interviews. Um, your personality is super spunky and fun and... I'm excited to chat. Yeah, definitely. So, first of all, as I ask all my guests, how is uh, quarantine treating you? Um, You know, I feel like in Seattle, we're kind of at the tail end of it, at least for now. So, um, I I was telling a friend the other day that I feel like um, I've been holding my breath and didn't realize. So, as things are starting to open up and, like, I can start training again and seeing people again, it's so eerie, but, like, it's good. Um, and I think people in Seattle are taking um, safety precautions seriously. So um, quarantine's treating me okay. <laughs> and it's um, and it's basically over. So glad. Yeah, it's been weird, but it is what it is, right? There's nothing you can do about it. So like complaining about it's not going to change anything. Right. At least that's what I find. So for my guests, um, you were born with fibular hemimelia. And as a result, your right leg didn't fully develop. You're missing bones. And did you get it amputated or were you just born without it? Um, Both. So I had part of my heel um, and a couple of toes. So my my the lower portion of my right leg was starting to form, um, but just didn't it was never fully formed. Um, but I couldn't wear a prosthesis over my limb as it was. So I did have to have a portion of my leg amputated. Um, I still have the two toe muscles. So at the very end of my residual limb, I can kind of do that like toe muscle movement, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it was basically like, I have all the parts that I was born with. They're just kind of rearranged in a way that a socket can fit over it. Exactly. And what what challenges are you presented with due to that? You know, I'm fortunate in that growing up, I didn't really feel like I had any challenges. Like my parents made sure that I was really active um, from a very young age and was involved in a lot of sports. So it wasn't until relatively recently where I started um, training Muay Thai that I ran into uh, physical issues and discomfort. Um, I can run, I can go upstairs, I can, you know, jump, bike, whatever. Um, But Muay Thai is really challenging because, um, you know, it's quick and you're utilizing your knees um, to both block and to um, attack. So I am realizing that there's weakness in my hip, weakness in my knee. and just like an overall imbalance between my two legs. So most of my challenge is just from participating in that sport. 
Right, and and like you say, it's it's. I read in your post that you know your parents taught you to not give up and never say I can't because I can't is just negative, right? At least try it, and I think I think that's one lesson I've learned in life too. Like, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm gonna try everything and totally never tell yourself that you can't because that's just you know it's just negative. Um, who inspired you, like, or who has? over the course of your life inspired you to stay positive and motivated? Um, honestly, my parents, first and foremost. Um, I think that the the attitude I have today is 100% because of the obstacles that they overcame in being my parents. Um, I mean, my mom, she's told me this story so many times when she found out that... Um, basically things weren't all right um, with her baby. Um, You know, she blamed herself. She was worried that I was going to have issues. She overcame those and had me anyway um, and has been a loving mother. And she's overcome a lot um, even prior to that. So she's probably my biggest um, inspiration. And I also, um, you know, I've recently started following Nick Newell's career He's um, a an amputee as well, and he fights, um, and he's missing an arm. Um, and his attitude is very similar to mine. I mean, he's he doesn't care what anyone thinks. He doesn't see himself as having a disability. He just has, you know, different parts to work with. Um, and he's won a lot of fights by by submission. So it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I've actually heard of him. He's he's quite phenomenal. So he's definitely, cool. definitely a good person to look up to. So so as you said, Muay Thai, it's, it's huge in your life now, but you only discovered it last year. And you said you were like immediately intrigued by the beauty of it and just the, the overall fitness benefits. But aside from being fit physically, how has it helped you mentally? I think Muay Thai and, and any martial art, but, you know, my experience being in Muay Thai, um, I think it takes the phrase fall down seven times, stand up eight, and makes you put that into practice. Like You're literally physically getting knocked down and putting yourself daily in situations where you have to confront your own weaknesses and admit that they exist. Because um, when you're sparring um, or even training, you can't hide and pretend that those weaknesses don't exist. And I think so much of that, while um, it's proven physically, um, the mental strength that it takes to continuously get punched in the face um, and knocked down, and not only that, but but in striking and training and and learning how to do a move correctly, um, there's always gonna be a way to make it better and things that you have to do to improve on it. So. Um, I think it's a really good space to be in to grow in every aspect of your of life. Exactly. And how often do you train? So prior to the uh, shelter in place order, um, I was training four to five days a week for two hours or so, sometimes a little bit longer. Um, and that's just in Muay Thai class. I was also supplementing. Um, cardio work and physical therapy in the gym Monday through Friday, so five days a week um, for about an hour or so. Oh, wow. I'm pretty committed. And (laughs) 
as we discussed before, you're also a photographer. However, as you say, the journey was quite crazy. You were in theater, then makeup, then video, and then photography. <laughs> First of all, what do they all have in common to you? Um, it's all, they're all forms of storytelling. Um, I started in theater on the performance side, and then I found out that I really actually liked working with my hands backstage. So in high school, I was pretty involved in my theater department. Um, I started creating short films in my free time um, and then used my... I, I guess I would say natural um, ability for drawing and makeup artistry to kind of start working on other people's films and commercials um, after high school. Uh, and then I realized that I didn't really love doing 12 hour days all the time. So um, I started moving into more of a still photography um, world and just fell in love with that. Um, you have all the elements of filmmaking and um, building a creative image and putting a story behind it. Um, and it's all just in one frame, which I think is really cool. Definitely. And well, why, why particularly did you stick with photography? What is it about it that drives you to do it? Um, I think part of it is that, you know, you don't need a whole crew. So I, if I wanted in the moment to create something and I had a vision, all I need is myself and my camera and maybe one other person um, like I can do a self-portrait or take a portrait of somebody else um, and you can use any materials. You can use anything outside. Um, you can throw together something creative with old clothing. Like you, it doesn't matter. You can have no budget and you can make something really beautiful, um, both, you know, just with the raw image as well as in post-production. So I like that um, it's very organic and um, very skeleton crew, you can still throw something together that's really amazing. Exactly, and why portraits? I'm curious to, to hear why, why you like portraits so much. Yeah, um, I just love people. And I think um, in you know, the, the storytelling aspect of, of art in general, um, I really like being able to point my camera at a person and um, both document who they are, um, who they really are, as well as this character that they're playing. Um, so it all comes back to like, they have a story within them and it's demonstrated in the image um, in the final product, but it's also collaborative too. So there's a little bit of me in there, um, which I don't think you can really get with any other digital form of art. Definitely, and even even looking at your, your Instagram, it's. The thing I like about photography is everybody sees it differently. So yeah. it could have a million different meanings to a million different people. You, That's the cool part about it. And it's exactly. definitely, and even makeup, like a lot of people say, oh, makeup's vain. No, it's not. Makeup can, there's some cool makeup artists out there, men and women. It's, it's, re it's really a cool form of art, at least in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. And in conclusion, to you, what correlation does it have with martial arts or vice versa, really? Um, that's a tough one. It's interesting because they're both such big components of who I am. Um, I think I think they're actually pretty opposite. <laughs> um, and, and maybe that's what makes what may, why both of them are so necessary for me. Um, portraiture can be as authentic and real 
or as totally fantastic as I want. Um, so you can manufacture everything in the image. Um, you can you can build it completely from scratch. Um, you can airbrush out flaws or add something in that wasn't there where um, I feel like martial arts is the complete opposite. Like you're completely stripped away down to like who you are, um, what your body can do, you're limited to that. Um, and when you're sparring, um, that's like all laid out on the table and there's nothing that you can hide behind. So I actually think they're totally, completely opposite um, in every way. Uh, but that's probably why they're they're both so vital to me. They're like my yin and my yang. Exactly, and, and <laughs> they're opposite, but they're both art forms, and that's the cool part about it. Yeah. And, and uh, you can see I'm wearing a Hamilton Boxing Club shirt because of this interview. It's a boxing club here in Ontario. It's about... Awesome. I think in miles, about 15 miles away from me. And they do a lot of amateur boxing nights, and I love UFC boxing, like any sport. But the the fighting sports are definitely, oh man, it's one versus one, and yeah, you can be knocked out, you can be submitted, TKOs, like you know, there's everything. So I love this, I love the sport, and I'm I'm glad I'm interviewing you because I've never really <laughs> touched, been in touch with anyone in Muay Thai or. Like, again, I've known them. My stepdad is a trainer. He does Cali, like, Cali fighting, like, stick fighting. Yeah, that's so cool. And he's done a lot of boxing, but his knees are now giving out, so he can't really box anymore, unfortunately. Does does, uh, Hamilton put on, like, fight nights regularly? Yes. Well, again, normally, yes, but not like (laughs) COVID. Of course. Definitely. Okay, so... You were a little skeptical about, well, not skeptical, but a little nervous. I'm going to do my rapid fire segment. Oh, no. Don't worry (laughs) about the rapid part. Everybody has trouble with these. All right. Let's do it. The first one. Who is your favorite person from Washington? Oh, God. It's probably a hard one. There's a lot. I don't know. I mean, can I say my mom? My mom was born and raised in Seattle. Okay. That's my answer. Yeah, it's a good one. I think mine would be uh, Kurt Cobain. It's definitely, I love Nirvana, so it's a good one. What is your favorite thing to eat? Mm. Right now, avocado toast, which I feel like people are going to judge me for. It's so, it's like basic, but it's so good, and there's so many different ways you can make it. That is, <laughs> such, a, that is such a hipster uh, Seattle thing. <laughs> it you know, is. Have your Starbucks avocado toast. It's all good. It's healthy. It's so cliche. If I can't, if I don't pay fifteen dollars for my avocado toast, then it's not worth it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who is your favorite band or musician? Hmm. Right now, I really like Youngblood. Um, he's just so goofy, but also like his message is really serious. Um, and he's just he just brought back all of the rock music that I used to love when I was a preteen. Yes, that is definitely missing nowadays. Like, totally. no offense to the artists of today, but oh man, it's just not the same. It's true. It's really not. And as I asked you before, what are your, some of your go-to songs or artists on your playlist that you work out to? Um, I like I Love Me by Demi Lovato. Um, I Think I'm Okay, which is Youngblood and Machine Gun Kelly. 
I have some kind of embarrassing ones in there. Like I'll listen to a ballad while I'm running, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Um, so I have like, uh, it is what it is by Mayday Parade. Um, Pink Pony Club by Chapel Roan. I worked on one of her music videos a few, few years ago and I'm such a fan now. Um, and Paris by the Chainsmokers. Those are probably like my top. Those are some good ones. My girlfriend will like Demi Lovato answer. She loves Demi. It's like one of her idols. So, and she's been through so much shit. Like, pardon my French, but she's been through so much. (laughs) Um, And one of the ones I really was curious about is you have a bunch of tattoos. Mm -hmm. Which one is your favorite? Like, which one means the most to you if you were to pick one? Ooh, that is a really hard one. Uh, I will preface this by saying that my tattoos don't mean anything um, because I just, I'm just like what I see on the wall and I'll just get that. Um, or I'll like what an artist draws and I get that and I'll get that. Um, let's see. I th- I will say that my favorite is probably the fighter boy that I just got, at least for now. It, it might not be when the novelty wears off, but um, I asked for like a weak underdog, um, like scrawny looking fighter boy um so i have a little um like kind of pinup portrait of a fighter with his hands up and a black eye and some cuts on him that i love i just think it's kind of funny yeah well it's a good it's definitely <laughs> a good it's like alliteration it's it's good it's good imagery for sure and last question of the rapid fire if you could be anyone living or dead for 24 hours who would you pick oh man Oh my god, I don't know. There's so many. I ask questions that I think would be hard for myself, so I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a good one for 24 hours. Oh my god. I'm just suddenly blanking on every person that's ever existed. Maybe Michelle Obama. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I feel like she experiences so much, and it's probably not even close to what we can imagine it would be. But she's also a badass. So, like, I would love I would love to be here for a day. My, my dad actually shamelessly read her book, Becoming, and said it was one of the best books he ever read. Oh, hell yeah. Because she's, she's pretty good. She's, well, and Barack is great, too. So I like that. I like that pick. <laughs> And so back into the questions, what charities or advocacy groups do you support? Um, the two that I am like actively talking about regularly are the Shriners Hospital for Children. They took care of me um, and are the reason that I have the life that I have today. Um, my parents didn't pay a penny for my care, um, aside from travel costs to get to the, to the hospital. Um, so every prosthesis, from when I was born to the day I turned 18. Um, And every surgery and visit um, was completely covered by the Shriners. So I'm constantly advocating for them, um, doing their charity runs, their PGA golf tour. Um, They're incredible. And uh, the other one is the Amputee Coalition. Um, I don't have any direct, um, I haven't received anything directly from them, but I think that what they 
stand for is awesome. Um, they have uh, programs where they will provide like act high activity um, prosthetics for amputees who may not be able to afford something for running or climbing or swimming. Um, and I just think that's so amazing that they're promoting like high, high activity levels um, in amputees. Yeah, those are definitely two good ones at Shriners that very active in Canada, actually, too. And, and just especially in the States, though, to cover all that is amazing because like we're lucky enough to have covered healthcare, but I could not imagine in the States. Like I know right. some people even with my disability that pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just for medication. And it's it's I wish it were different, but it's it is what it is, right? Lucky we have the resources like that. Um sure. and, and just leading into my next question, obviously during COVID it's slowly getting back together, but it's it's straining on everyone, especially the disabled community. How do you think we can continue to keep raising awareness for the causes we support during basically a lockdown? I think this is where, um, you know, we're so fortunate to actually be very connected via social media and the internet in general. Um, I mean, it's just a constant um, topic of discussion, like, is the internet ruining our future? Um, or is it helpful? And I think it just depends on the way you look at it. Um, I think that we would be totally lost during this, you know, past few months without social media. Um, that's, a, that's where people are talking and paying attention. So I think it's, you know, that's where the discussion should be is on social media and with your friends um, in the DMs. That's the best place to, to promote um, both during lockdown as well as when things go back to normal. Exactly. And, and I think well, whether it's disability issues, human rights issues, like look at the the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just been, mm -hmm. there's no way it would have the impact it's had if it wasn't for social media. And I think, I think Will Smith said it, he goes, it's not that racism is getting better or worse, it's just being filmed. And I think exactly. the smartphone has definitely helped that. And that's such a sad thing that happened. And and you see people saying all lives matter. Well, no, that you're missing the point here. Like, you know what I mean? And and if you don't, if you know, it, it's black lives matter until they matter, then all lives don't matter. And that's the thing. And well, that's about all I have for the questions. I, I, you actually have a question for me, which I'm curious about. Yeah. Um. So this is interesting. This happened um, over the weekend. I am so fortunate that like I can kind of turn this on and off. Um, when I wear pants, no one has any idea that I am an amputee. Um, so I have the ability to expose that when I want and keep it to myself when I want. But over the weekend, um, I got my leg tattooed and I was walking around afterwards at the park and I could not for the life of me figure out why everyone was staring at me was like, do I have something on my face? Am I wearing a weird shirt? I don't like what's going on. And it hit me probably not until even 20 minutes later that I was wearing shorts because I got my leg tattooed and I, I'm never out in public in shorts. Um, so I just got to thinking like, I, I don't love being stared at, but I can turn it on and off. So maybe it's like not a big deal, but I'm curious and, and you have experienced, you know, being, able to like walk and run and play sports and then like later in your life yeah in a wheelchair 
So I'm curious, like your experiences on that and how do you see it? And is it like, is it something that's frustrating and you want to like call people out for it and try and like change that behavior? Um, is it something that you just have like learned to accept? Like I'm, I'm interested in like, how do I act better when reacting to the people around me in public? And how can I also communicate that that's, this is how people want to be treated in public? Well, that's a bit of a hard one for me because, like, I'm. It's been so long. Like, but I find it. It is rude, but at the same time, like, if it's a little kid or something, it doesn't bother me at all, because right. a little kid might not have ever seen an amputee like you or someone in a wheelchair like me or maybe a blind person with the the like the cane that they use. So mm-hmm. when it's a kid, it's like whatever. But with adults. I don't know, like, how to deal with it. I just ignore it, to be absolutely honest. Like, I don't see it. Like, I do think it's rude, but I also don't let it affect me because, like, I interviewed Caroline Casey the other day, and she's a disability advocate, and she said people are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to offend you. So oftentimes, like I said, I just ignore it, but if someone asks a question that's when I try to educate the people like I don't know if someone's staring at you it is hard to not confront them and say like what's your problem or something or (laughs) or as my friends used to say one time we were out in public and this lady was staring at me my buddy looks at her dead in the face Uh, hey lady take a picture it lasts longer and we just all started laughing and she she stopped looking and walked away but I don't know to give advice I don't know I just try not to let it bother you, I guess. Yeah, and you know, like, this is, it's interesting that you brought up kids, because my mom, um, my mom and dad would take me out grocery shopping with them, or something like that, and if a kid saw my leg, and, like, it was so common for kids to just blurt, mommy, why is her leg like that? Or something, you know, and we loved those questions because it was like, well, now's our opportunity to share like this difference and educate this kid. But what I found happened more often than not was the parent would like shush their child and be like, okay, let's walk away and just like kind of brush it under the rug, um, which is part of the problem. And I think that the reaction of like, hey, lady, take a picture, it lasts longer, totally valid um, feeling. But I also feel like that may... Um, also discourage them from asking questions in the future because they're like oh shit like I totally am being offensive so um, you know it's that I had put some stories together on Instagram just kind of documenting this is this is my experience but for somebody who can't just roll down their pant leg and go outside and not have it you know be an issue um, I know I'm I'm interested to understand like how do you you know how do you deal with that and, and and what's the best way because you shouldn't have to ignore it like it's happening around you you know yeah so so what's the best way for other people to learn how to react to the people around them you know so gathering information about that i think i appreciate your your feedback and your info on that it's important yeah for sure and the other thing caroline said was like you're not going to fix a problem of inequality of any kind if you just ignore it. Like, sheltering mm-hmm. kids to someone who's disabled is just going to change their perspective, and when they get older, they might think there's something wrong with you, and that's okay. it's just not right. We're, we're or just, that they can't ask the question. 
Yeah, we're just in yeah. wheelchairs. We just have a prosthetic leg. We're no different than you. Totally. It's just, you know, we're human beings. And at the end of the day, but like I said, just I, I've learned to just brush it off because if someone's not willing to ask a question, it'd be also rude of me to say, what's your problem? Like, that's just yeah. rude, right? So, it, like I said, questions are good, though. I love answering questions. It does not offend me. Like, if someone says, why are you in a wheelchair, I'll answer them, and I'll explain what it is, and, you know, if you're, will, if, if you're interested in helping out, just donate to Muscular Dystrophy Canada or any of the other children's hospitals in the area, because those are the people that are helping, and they deserve the recognition, for sure. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's my that. summarization of your question. I love that. Yeah, I love the adding the, here's where you can donate at the end. Here's some action items for you. Yes, definitely. Well, it was so nice to meet you, Sam. I'm so glad you did this, and thanks for helping me raise the awareness. I'll uh, send a link out when it's posted. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, for sure. You have yourself a good one. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.